What's happening? Welcome to the first season of Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I'm your host, Yomi Shode. And this season, we will be focusing on what it means to be black, British and a poet or spoken word artist. If you're interested in getting a greater insight into the journeys of some of your faves, then join us and keep listening. Saying that, if you do like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcast and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. In today's episode, I'm talking to Kat Francois and Reese Williams about the importance of owning and telling our own stories. And boy, it got heavy. Enjoy. Welcome. Oh my God, it's such... This is... I feel blessed. I feel blessed. I've been talking to some amazing folks, um, amazing inspirations, and it just continues. It continues. Producing that, you're doing the business. Producing that, doing the business, bringing the series... To to mm-hmm. to to the masses and and this time around is no is no different. I'm talking to two incredible people and and I can't wait to get into the into the shizzles. I had to check if there was like a profanity check with the good folks <laughs> at Apples and Snakes. They didn't say yes and they didn't say no, which always means no. So I'm just like, all right, cool. Let me play it. Let me play it safe as safe as I can. <laughs> we are talking about the importance of owning and telling our own stories and for the longest time which is interesting as well because I feel like for the longest time I've actually grown up through the poetry scene spoken word scene majority mainly like around the likes of Cat Francois and I'm talking about and I'm and I'm and thinking about Cat I'm thinking about the folks that I've 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 kind of sat in the in a in my chair and many poetry nights and watching. I'm talking folks like Best Kept Secret. I'm talking folks like David J. I'm even thinking I'm thinking to Fenswan. I'm thinking to to Vanessa Walters. I'm thinking to Zena Edwards. And I used to just be thinking, boy, how can I do this? I have no idea how to kind of get into this entire situation but those folks for the most part I've always understood them to always tell their own stories in a way that is unique to them mm. and inspiring for others and 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 Reese I met you in in a part of my own journey but it wasn't in London I met you as in this kind of you know that there was an episode where I was talking about, it's not all about London. Do you know what I mean? People are always talking about London, Perhaps. like everything stays in London. And I had a beautiful conversation with Khadija and Malaika. Um, Malaika representing Bristol, Khadija representing Leeds. And it's and, and Khadija's like, listen, yeah, people forget Leeds is the third biggest. <laughs> She's like, it's the third <laughs> biggest. And she was she was, she was, her chest was just large with it. Do you see what I mean? And I think 100%. I got that energy from, from Shirley May, from Young Identity and from Reese Williams. Like there's no, there's no playing about if we're talking about Manchester. And I've, I, I was met with such energy and, and your presence. And then I later found out that, you know, what you're doing within the infrastructures of, of strategy and and where your voice plays a part and where those those the importance of telling own stories doesn't necessarily just lie in the poetry but also lies in how the structure is going to be set 
for emerging artists, emerging emerging black artists, writers to mm. enter these spaces in a way that they feel that their their stories will not be compromised. And I would love to touch on all of this stuff, but it's just a way of just saying big up and just thank you for for all of that amazing work that you was that you have done and that you continue doing. I hope you are both blessed in these uncertain times and it's a pleasure to speak to you. How are you both? I know that was a big spiel, but I had to get that off my chest just before we kind of kick into gear. How are you both? How are you both? Yeah, okay. I keep saying to everybody, it's either one day or sometimes one hour at a time because, you know, there is a lot of madness going on behind the scenes. There's people's loss, there's grieving, there's dealing with work and then there's the beauty of life as well, or the good bits. Yeah. It's the crap the crap and the sunshine. And I think we're all in the middle of that mm. and trying to survive and come out in one piece physically and emotionally. Man. So yeah, Man. it's crap yeah. and sunshine, isn't it? Crap and sunshine. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I'll echo so much of what um, Katz just said. Um, I'm well. I have my breath in my body. I've got my sanity. I've got my loved ones around me and, and, and touch wood. They're mm. all healthy and happy and safe. And, you know, aside from everything else is a blessing, you know? Awesome. Awesome. Um, before we kind of get into everything, it'll be a pleasure to open up this this exchange with a poem. Um, and Kat, do you, do, you, do you have something in the, in the arsenal of the amazing archive of mm. your work to share with us? Yes, this is called Tongue Tied. It's hard to hold on when all the sunshine has gone. When the joy has been drained and the pain refuses to fade and your body shuts down as it struggles to decipher the world's tirade. And we seek solace and we seek solace in things that desensitize and euthanize. And we try and hide the hurt inside, smother it in smiles and falsified cries. But it slowly seeps from tired eyes, slowly secretes from sweated skin, skin burning with the anxiety within. And anxiety grips and beats like a wielded stick, chokes and suffocates until the space to breathe is a fight for life and not just a need. For the truth is tongue-tied and the truth is blind. The truth is tongue-tied and the truth is blind. We kidnap our own emotions, refuse them the light of day, keep them rat-caged inside our terrified chests until they cannot express, until they cannot confess. The truth is tongue-tied and the truth is blind. Frustrated and blind, beaten and confused, the truth has lost its way, turned left when it should have turned right, gone up when it should have gone down, putrid and sick, the truth is drowning, drowning, drowning in its own rotten skin, withered and thin. We walk around for days, weeks, months and years, ignoring the status quo, disconnecting our minds from the system so we don't have to think, so we don't have to feel. And we can plead ignorance to anything but our own sufferance. So we scroll past drowned bodies. We scroll past broken cities. We scroll past refugees. We scroll past silent black bodies condemned to eternal silence by police, both trigger happy and techy. We scroll past our own humanity, hidden in Facebook and Twitter statuses, 140 characters, pictures, selfies and memes. We sell our soul to the highest online bidder, yet 30 pieces of silver we do not have to deliver. 
The truth is tongue-tied and the truth is blind. We kidnap our own emotions, refuse them the light of day, keep them wrapped caged inside our terrified chests until they cannot express, until they cannot confess. Frustrated and bruised, beaten and confused, the truth has lost its way, turned left when it should have turned right, gone up when it should have gone down. Putrid and sick, the truth is drowning, drowning, drowning in its own rotten skin, withered and thin, full of regret and earthly sin. We've become spiritless, voiceless, unaware we are all walking around suffering from post-traumatic stress. Images burned in the back of our brain will come back to haunt us at a later date. We are not untouchable. We are not protected by some invisible first world bubble. We all stink of privilege and superiority. No one is free. Not one of us will be found not guilty. But yet some of us are unsatisfied, unhappy as our souls beg to be fed and fed. As we coventry our inner child, we feed our now and fail to satisfy our tomorrow. The truth is tongue-tied and the truth is blind. We kidnap our own emotions, refuse them the light of day. There you go. Boy. <laughs> Ooh, that was, how was that? How was... Boy, boy. I'm already, I'm already, I've already suggested to producer that. I'm just like, I need some sound effects up in here. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> some if, bombs dropping, if, they, if, if they come again with like a second series or something, they need to ensure that there's some, there's some fires going off or something, fireworks, something going off. Um, thank you so much for sharing. And I think even in, talking just thinking deeper into not only the poem but just the just the delivery cat I was just really wondering about cat Francois I, I don't think of I don't think there's been an opportunity that I from in terms of our relationship over the years I've actually sat to actually be like what is that journey of cat Francois like what what um if there was a way to even try to Talk, we're talking raising Lazarus, we're talking intimates, we're talking, we're talking word for word, even Grenadian granny, we're so big. I, I'm very, even for the slams, I'm, 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 do you mind just touching base in regards to just your own journey and, mm. and, and owning, owning your own, owning and telling your own story? I think I've always told my own story, even when it's made other people uncomfortable, mm -hmm. even if it's made myself uncomfortable. There's a compulsion that I have on stage to talk a truth, mm. my truth, because I feel the stage is probably one of the only places where I've been allowed to do that. Mm. Mm. You know, a young black girl growing up in the inner city, Growing up in the inner city, one of seven, all the stereotypes you can think of being thrown my way. Mm. Um, all the isms that a young girl, especially a young black girl, can grow up with, I've probably faced all of them mm. and some. And then there's an older black woman with, you know, state violence, police violence, and all the other stuff we have to... So I think my story is a story of... I wouldn't even say survival. Sometimes I think I came out of my mother fighting while all the other babies were screaming. Mine was a war cry. You know what I mean? I just like, <laughs> and I have been fighting ever since for a, a space, a space on the stage, a space to write, a space to shine. All of us that work with young people, I think of all the teachers that might have put me down or told me I wasn't going to achieve or 
there's a lot of that. And I think I'm not the only one. There has been, you know, a lot of negativity when you grow up and people just want to stereotype you. But God bless, there was also youth workers and other teachers who took me under their wing and told me I could do and I could achieve and I can be whatever I wanted to be. Yeah. So where maybe other kids on my estate fell off the wayside, I always had art and it was dance and writing and poetry and performance. Mm. And I can honestly say that was my space. Mm. When I, This is why I slam like a beast because when I get up on a stage <laughs> and I'm in that competitive <laughs> mood, I'm like, you have to want it more than Cat wants it. I watched the BBC Listen, Sam the other day. Bad, I was shocked. Bad. Listen, I was like, who's messing with you in that? Ooh, ooh. Brave like, souls, you know. <laughs> when you're in that zone of it's like, off. you're gone. It's it's gone, and I think that's because when you have to fight for every little scrap, you're fighting. Yeah, I'm fighting. I have never been given anything on a play. I've had to fight for every single thing, and you know, okay, I'm in my forties now, and people are like, um. You still got the passion, sure have. I sure still got the passion. I don't care. I've got the passion because the world is still not kind to me as a black woman. So why should that passion go? If anything, the passion has grown with time and a need to tell hmm. even more stories and maybe hmm. stories that... If, the thing is, hmm. I don't even really think the world is ready for me because sometimes yeah. I think people think that I'm quite raw. I am honest, but I've still got a lot more stories to tell. Mm. And I think I've got stories to tell that people might actually be quite shocked by and that the world's not ready for. But Kat's ready. Yeah. Quarantine's given me time to really think about that. I am ready, but the world is not ready. I'll never forget um, Boxed in Clash. And and <laughs> I'll never forget Clash. And after, after Clash happened, <laughs> you was like, nah. I'm upset. I'm upset. It was like, I'm, I think it was midway. He was upset. He was just like, what? If we're going to go by the rules and do this, how we're going to do this. If you're going to chuck fire, yeah, don't complain if, nah, the team's going to come back to you with a whole infernos. Because I don't think, I don't think people prepped just for when, off that slam mindset, like you just said. Like if you're, you need to be better than Cat if you're gonna step on this stage, and if you're if they if you're gonna share these stories, just and if you're gonna be slam related, and you're gonna try to dash something my way, you better, you better be ready. Yeah, I, mean, I can't even really say that I was proud of that moment. The competitiveness, the competitive lit me so hard. I can't even say that was poetry. That was some down dirty behavior that day. I can't even say that I was proud of myself the next day that oh I treated, treated them young poets like oh that. My God. I mean, I told them that, you know, West London, I compared them to venereal disease. I mean, I just like lost my poetic mind. But that's the competitiveness in me. And that's the that's the fire. Um, so, yeah, I had to apologize to everybody the next day for that behavior. But um, I think... That's it. When that gets ignited, that fight, when you've always had to fight for everything, yeah. you know how to fight. And, and, and that's it. And There is a, um, I forgot the terminology, I just read it this week, that is about <laughs> trying, to, um, trying to get stability in the body. And, mm. and I was wondering <clears throat> when it pertained to black people especially, whether that stability is always there or, or whether it's this thing as you're talking about now in terms of just like 
Boy, it ain't no stability because I'm always moving. I'm always, mm. I'm always doing, I always have to be on the move. I'm always fighting, mm. I'm always fighting, which then leaves little room for stability because one is always on edge for something to pop off in one way, yeah. shape or form. Do you know what I mean? And hold, yeah. hold, hold that thought though, hold that thought. Because again, I think it all ties into this thing of story. Mm. Um, Reese, Yes, brother. You're... It'll be good to know more. What don't I know, bro? What don't I know about Reese Williams? Because I'm there talking to you one time. Do you remember the Batsy Art Center where I was just I was re- I was yes. actually rehearsing for I was I was yeah I was it was the I, I had to check in because Colt was on later on that evening. And yep, yep, yep. you were there, but you wasn't there in an artist capacity. You was there yeah. in a management capacity for an artist. And then yeah, I was like right. What? <laughs> what? I'm like on one end, I'm like, okay, facilitator, cool, young identity, poet, one I want. And then I'm like, manager. So I'm just like, what don't you do? And you looked at me and you was like, bruh. <laughs> and this was <laughs> and I remembered that and I was just like, you're just constantly and I guess it's to what Kat spoke about as well in the movement. And I guess you are also moving and navigating spaces, but you're also creating infrastructures in the same way that Kat has been doing over the years. And do you mind just mm. talking on that, on your, just yourself for just a bit? Because yeah. got, i got a lot to get through to talk to you about, you know. Hey, wait, let's go. Let's oh, rock and roll. A hundred percent. I think story is really important to me as a poet, uh, as a theatre maker, as a producer, as a musician. Mm. Because if you do not tell your story, somebody will tell it for you. Mm. and they'll usually tell it um, inaccurately. Mm. They'll tell it for their own purposes and for their own gains, uh, often malicious. Mm. And I refuse to be that guy. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's, there's, there's like a, there's something that my grand used to say, which is, I will not let a rock praise in my place. You know, there's a Bible verse about God raising up stones to praise him if, if nobody else is going to do it. Mm. I will not have somebody else tell my story because it happened for for a long time in terms of, um, growing up in Moss Side in Manchester at a time when it was dubbed as Gunchester, where lots of my peers and my friends were either uh, victims of it or they were perpetrators of that. And that narrative that I saw around me was so heavy and it was very dark and it was very black. Um, it got to a point where writing became that place where I could write those wrongs. Yeah. Yeah. And then that again when you become aware of yourself and the story that you're telling, you also realize um, the settings that you've allowed to tell your story in mm-hmm. and how so many of the spaces, uh, so many times there's spaces that are not accessible to us as black artists. And so what I found myself doing was being drawn to different art forms and finding ways to have my foot in the door. Yeah. And once my foot's in the door and I've squeezed my body through the door, that door's <laughs> open for all the way. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> you what you let me in you're, you're lying to yourself today I'm getting in there by hook or crook I'm gonna go it. in there this is it this is it no yeah I I thank you thank you for that and I think there's been there was such conviction I can feel that conviction from both of you already and I just feel energised I want to flip a table or something already like I'm just <laughs> I'm just like I just want to flip a table there's a journey to this thing of voice. Mm. I, there's a journey. There's a journey to this voice. There's a journey and a decision. I remember one time I performed at a poetry night 
And I let the vim, every, everything went out. And I know this poetry now, often books the artist again, like maybe a couple of months down the line or three months down the line. That was the only time they booked me, yeah? The only mm-hmm. time they booked me, and and it's one of them nights where, you know, it gets a bit like comedic from here to there, da 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 Man, I stepped on that stage, I left that stage and it was a stunned silence. There was applause, but then there was just mm-hmm. no laughter. Yeah, and I was not booked for that gig again. Well, good, I'm cool with the promoter. <laughs> it is what it is. But then that was like the early stages of me realizing that rock, not everyone, like he was taught, like he was just touched on cat, like not everyone is as ready to hear certain things. But that ain't stopping me from talking about certain things. But also, that's my understanding. Also, in knowing that if this is the road that you're going on, Yoms, then just know, say that you might not get booked for this again or this might not happen. So this is now a sacrifice in terms of what some of these are. So that was me getting to understand this thing of voice a bit more. When it, with regards to both of you, what was this journey like in regards to your voice? When you just like, was there a point where you just like, mm, if I talk on this, I just don't know. And then you you just you just breeze past that and think, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm right now, you know, like in Avatar, when they do, when they won with the when they won with the whatever I can't think of what it is that they connected with and everything is just neat and they mm. you are one you're connected do you know what I mean this is the team this is this is the Avengers assemble with you and your voice like what yeah. when you yeah, was voice, that with your voice when was that do you recall when that point was voice is such an interesting thing Yomi because I think the time when I was at my most authentic was when I didn't have notions of what poetry was. Right. Yeah. So you just you write and can't, maybe maybe you'll know about this. You you write for yourself first, innit? And I'm not bothered if nobody ever hears this poem that I've written because this is my truth. And this is liberating for me to express this experience in this way in my voice. And then you're around other poets and I'm like, oh, I don't sound like Isaiah or I don't sound like Shirley. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I don't sound like a, a Yoshua Wasama. Mm. I don't sound like a again, these people that we look up to and whose work we admire. Mm. And you have a little bit of, um, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to call it um, imitate. I'm not going to call it imitation. What's the word I'm looking for? You have imposter, a bit of an imposter syndrome yeah. in that. Yes, this, this is my story, but is it true to my voice? And actually is my voice um, relevant? Does my voice fit into this pantheon of greatness that I see around me? Mm. And then you kind of come full circle in that, Yes, it's my story and my experience, but if it's not packaged in my voice, then that loses authenticity. So it doesn't matter if, yes, I'm, I'm going to write this story about, you know, um, growing up in Side and being around people that carried, you know, carried guns on the bus like it was like it was a bus pass. Mm. Yeah. But if it's written in a way that isn't true to me and I'm trying to write it in, you know, a particular way to be like somebody else who is doing it and who is it, and that's just as authentic as me taking somebody else's story and making that my own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kat, you touched on, like, this is from birth. You're like, listen, hey, you better, you got to hear me now. But was there a point? I used to get in trouble all the time. I'm that kind of kid who would just say and just get beat for it. Do you know what I mean? When you thought something was unfair or I was that child. So to be honest, my journey has been a journey of unsilencing. Wow. Of learning not to hold back, of letting that 
fire burn, letting mm-hmm. that mouth go. Um, you know, as long as it's not a vicious mouth, a nasty mouth. I mean, yeah. I was into dance very much when I was younger. I was actually into dance and drama, but I always wrote. And then when I was doing both in my 20s and then um, when I found spoken word, that's when I was like, dance is not enough. Yeah. I need words. When when I when I saw that, I re- and also there's a, you know, there's a strict thing in dance of how you're meant to look and how you're meant to move and all, mm. do you know what I mean? All the rest of it. And I found that very restrictive. I'm lucky as a female, I have a very deep voice. Maybe not lucky in the morning when a bank call and they're asking <laughs> yes, Mr. Francois, um, who am I talking to? <laughs> but for the stage, <laughs> that voice, it, there's a power and there's a resonance, I think, in the black voice, in a deep black female voice. Yeah. Um, which I've really learned to use on the stage. And the minute I stepped on the stage, I thought, woo. Mm. And I saw people's reaction. I say, woo, okay. So um, for me, it's a learning. I, I don't know. I've never, I, you know, I've know I've always thrown people because the thing is from day dot, I won the World Time Championships on a piece that was about police violence. Yeah, I've had people say they found me intimidating. I'm on the stage. I'm not doing nothing to you. What's intimidating? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Shut up. You know, shut up. Like, you're a fool. <laughs> like, you're an idiot. Like, what do you mean? You know, so I know, you know, one of my pieces on police violence got banned from, from a show. Well, I didn't perform again in the show. Wow. Um, because obviously you're going to talk about things that make people feel very uncomfortable. But listen, as an artist, I think I should be an agitator. I should be making people feel uncomfortable. I should be making people really think I should not be frightened to bring things to the forefront that other people can't speak about. That's my job as an artist. I'm chatting for all those who can't chat. Yeah. I'm going to talk about the things that other people want to talk about, but maybe the consequences are too high. And I've got worse as I've got older. You know, I always say to my mum, you just shouldn't have given birth to an artist because I will chat our business on the stage. Ex-man messed me up, I will chat our business on the stage. <laughs> A friend messed me up, I will chat our business on this. I will chat it all. And you'll be lucky if I change your name. If you really vex me, I'm not even going to change your name. I will chat you from seven oh times me. They're all about a graphical piece that I've done to Raising Lazarus. So I've got more things to come. I, listen, I'm 40 now. So I've got enough things to chat about. Bravery. It requires. But uh, I remember for me again, like I've performed in some places where, where people have waited at the end of the night for me. Yeah. Mm. Like waited, waited to kind of talk about the poem, but they're not really want to talk about the poem. They want to talk to try to like, what, what are you going to do to me over a poem? What is this going to be? And then the interesting thing is, is that the assumption is that was birthed into poetry. Like, Oh, you forget that I could potentially really do what you're doing to me, but make it 10 times worse. But you're really, really trying to intimidate me because because of a poem and I feel that again there are there are situations again I'm going to touch on it where you you where if unapologetically you you address something on a stage but at the same time it almost in these situations puts yourself in a some kind of firing line for potential people to wait for you afterwards people to I've known folks that have inflicted I've known members of the audience that have inflicted harm on artists for doing just what we are talking about Mm. right now. So this comes not only as a piece of art, but it comes at a great, great risk for the artist. 
And that's why I'm just like, as much as you're talking on it, Kat, as much as Reese, you're talking on it as well. Even Reese, even if you mm. touch on the mandem in Moss side, there's certain things that you mm. know, code wise, that you just can't really freely talk about road stuff like that because it's just, like just, in and a manner situation. So you talking just, about that. It's this mad. is really interesting, you because I say yes and no. So I think the first thing is I've never been affiliated in that way. I've never been in a gang. Yeah. I've never rubbed, rubbed shoulders in that way where anyone could ever say Reese or Gucci or Reese or Duddington. Uh. And by privilege of that, and also I'll give you a little bit again, we're talking about telling our own stories. Um, my dad's life was kind of in two parts. So the first part of his life for, for 15 plus years, he was kind of one of the leaders of a, of a notorious gang in Manchester. Mm. And what was really interesting is I would never be around stuff in terms of where I'm in harm's way, but you'd be around conversations and, you know, I'd never forget, I'd, I'd, I'd be in long sight, chilling with my friends at a takeaway and I get a call from Pops like, yo, what are you doing in long sight? Those are your sides. Mm, <laughs> you need to, you wow. need to come out of there. Pops are like, get yeah. out of Dodge now. Yeah. And then the flip end of that, I remember moving to North Manchester where things were quieter yeah. in terms of it wasn't as active where, where gang culture is concerned. And I remember, we, and I call it the Southside Paranoia in a poem that I've written, where I'm picking up on signs that something's going to kick off because we're from we're from Moss Side, we're from Ends, where we know if a car's driven around the block twice, yeah, you need to get out of Dodge. Something's something's not happening. Yeah, uh, it, it, how it's supposed to be happening? It's looking a little bit booky. Um, but I think where that element of do I have license to tell those stories? Absolutely, from my perspective, because I've lived around that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I've, 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 there's people on my Grand Street who, you know, didn't see 16 because of that. Mm. People who I grew up with, people that I played ball with, people that, you know, looked up to us when we were kids, mm. minding cars and riding bikes up and down the road. So in that element, I will always be sensitive to that. So no one's name's ever going to get called. Yeah. Or I would never write in such a way that someone could point a finger unless I've got that specific permission. You know, so there's a particular poem that I'm working on with the permission of somebody's mum. You know, someone who lost his life at the age of 16 yeah. um, to gang violence. And I've said, I want to tell his story, but, you know, obviously I need, I want to be as honest as I can be with that. But I also need to respect that you were his mother, you know, and she's turned around and said, absolutely write that story because write that poem because nobody else is telling that story. Yeah. And the story that we're being told about him and what he was uh, capable of becoming given time isn't being told. You know, he's just a name and he, he's a campaign that's reeled out every couple of years. Every time something else happens, they'll mention his name and say, oh, is it a shame that this happened to this person? It's still happening now in 2021. Yeah. So Kat, you was going to say something? No, that's 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 amazing, Reese, And that's, mm. I think, very, very, very respectful mm. way of going about writing a poem or a piece. I mean, with me, I only tell my stories mm. and... Obviously, other people's stories get weaved in there. And funny, when I was writing Seven Times Me, my mum was worried because I spoke about the domestic violence we grew up in. And I was going to give her the play to have a look at. So this was my very first autobiographical play. And she started to bristle. And I said, all right, you're not going to read it. You're going to have to wait till everybody else sees it. And obviously, she saw it and she was all right with it because I had been very respectful. And there was a lot of things that I'd done to protect my mum you know, how many years down the line, I'd probably mm. write it a bit more harshly, to be honest. Wow. Um, just from the perspective that 
I think it's really important that we talk about children's stories. Uh, you know, we hear a lot about domestic violence from the male and female point of view. We don't necessarily hear that child's mm-hmm. voice. And I have a very unique perspective as a child who grew up in that, in, in an environment like that. Um, and I've also realized that I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a woman. So it's that I have faced gender-based violence. Mm-hmm. It goes without saying that I have faced certain things. So that means I do have a unique insight mm-hmm. to things. You know, I was almost stabbed when I was 21. It's mm-hmm. not something I talk a lot about, but it is something that I obviously will have in common with some young black boys as well. So yeah. I think it's important that I take those stories. The thing is, sometimes as you get older, you want to distance yourself. You want to say, forget the estate you grew up on. Forget the domestic violence that you went through. Forget the street violence that you went through. And everyone kind of sees cat, you know, prim and proper. Listen, I felt my way up the same way every kid who grows up in in a city, town, wherever you are in the whole of England. I felt my way through that. And you know why I think it's important? So that people can actually see that you can come from those areas. You can come from a background of violence, whether it's domestic violence, whether it's street violence, whether it's gender-based violence, and still achieve something. Because people be telling them kids that they're never going to achieve nothing. When I was younger, people were willing to write me off. School teachers didn't even tell me about, they didn't even talk about university. University wasn't even a thought in my head until Mm -hmm. I went to college. Do you know what I'm saying? Listen, so, so true, so true. Captain. People are willing to write me off. I have to talk my truth, and I don't have to tell no one else's story. And I think by talking my truth, I can hopefully inspire and impact a lot more people than I ever could by hiding that. And you know what? I'll just be honest. I'm just at an age where I'm not hiding nothing anymore. Judge me if you want to judge me. I know there's nothing that I've gone through that nobody else has not gone through. And I'm still standing. I've still got a sense of humour. I'm still all right. And maybe someone might see her. Whoa, look, Kat is still standing. Look at everything she's gone through. The hair's not grey. She's still keeping fit and looking after herself. She can still... I'm a Gemini. And that's why I throw people when I perform because it depends what mood you get me in. I can come with the hardcore stuff and then I'll come with the stuff that will make you laugh and laugh. Mm. But then that's... That's an artist. We yeah. should be forced into one box, performing one thing, performing yeah. one way. The complexities 100%. of humanity is that we are crap. Yeah. <laughs> and we are sunshine. Yeah. I I uh, on my way here, I was um had like this really weird analogy, this kind of chicken and egg situation or whatever it is. And again, this kind of leans more towards you, Reese, in terms of, which I really want you to touch on in terms of like, I know that you're a trustee. I know that you're kind of in these meetings, in these kind of, this meetings that I'm just like, it's this kind of table of people that I don't think I'll ever see in my life or whatever it is. But all I know is that they make decisions in terms of how things work regarding funding Mm -hmm. regarding structures regarding whether it's going to be 16 to 25 16 to 18 which then leaves i don't know all the 30 pluses out and out and god knows what or up to 25 and over 25s of not necessarily knowing what they need to be doing or what the next steps are Mm -hmm. i was i was really wondering about just what cat touched on now right in terms of like enable in in order for the likes of Cat, the likes of um, Nii, Ayikwe Parks and all these different folks to really speak these truths and to kind of get to the core of what their performance and what their poems are about. It opened, it opened these doors for the likes of myself. It opened mm-hmm. the doors for the likes of yourself, Reese, to, 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 to yep. enter these spaces and create these infrastructures, which now, ironically, if you are in these spaces now, 
making the decisions that need to be made or contributing to the decisions that needs to be made, then it opens up the gate even more for Kat to further drill with some of the work that she's doing, for me to further go on, for me to further go on, because you're now in these, you're now in these you're yeah. on the you're, you're, you've got the, yeah you got you're in the institutions you've got the seats on the table you've got all mm. of that happening right mm. I, there's no real question to it because I was just like I could flip yeah. it the other way and it'll still be the same thing but I think for the purpose of this I just want to know more about what is it like in them rooms bro I'm like what's going on in them rooms <laughs> you know, you who's know, sitting you in them what's rooms real. what's going on <laughs> what's really interesting is I was always that curious child yeah. So some kids can, can, can the analogy I use is some kids can sit at the table and just have dinner. Mm. I want to be in the kitchen when granny's cooking. I want to know what order the curry goes into the chicken. I want to know how much pimento's going in there, how much time, how, how small she's cutting up the chicken. I want to know those things. And I've been always been that way uh, inclined. So oh, wait, 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 you missed a point. You missed a good point. And the stealthness in being able to lift up the pot lid and close it without no one hearing a sound, which I think that is still saying, is a huge metaphor saying, to am, this process. I am the, tw- I am the 2021 pot lift, uh, pot lid lifter, um, <laughs> European champion. I'm undefeated for 31 years now. <laughs> but I think that speaks loud as well, because how were you yeah. able to make as much noise without being the loudest person in the room? And I think that that's a, big one in regards to these positions because the stereo that kind of the stereotypes are that black folks always loud this 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 but how do you maintain a level of your whether you're loud or not how are you that kind of whether you choose to kind of lift up the pot lid and and put it down like it's one of those what's these uber cars that you can't even Mm. hear or whatever it is that you can just Mm. stealthily just do what you're doing you you know what it is and and cat can definitely speak to this because of how long she's been in the game and how long she's been consistently producing work is being excellent at your craft and what you do. Nobody can deny that. Somebody might not like my personality. They might not like the way that I move or the people that I promote and put on. Um, But they cannot deny the quality of work that I do. Mm. And by virtue of that, that opens up certain conversations. So me joining the board initially at Contact Theatre was because Again, not in a, not to gas myself and blow my own trumpet, but I was a consistently strong poet. Gas it. Consistently strong performer. Gas it, bro. Gas it. Oh, gas Kat, it. Kat, Kat, Kat will speak about this. You know, when when the spoken word all stars were touring and we were opening up, no one can't tell me that we didn't belong on that stage and that we didn't merit that stage. Wicked. If if you've booked me for a gig, you are gonna get a fantastic performance. But on the flip end of that, I would be around your building whether I'm performing or not. I'm coming as an audience member because I want to see what's happening here. Mm. So when it comes to having those conversations about how a decision's made, no one can't, can't be disgruntled. Nobody can't say that I'm looking for a bring, you know, that I'm breading it because you know what? I'm around it. I live here. This I breathe this stuff. So why would you not want to have somebody who's consistently strong in the art that they're producing, but is vocal and that understands and starting to understand how this whole industry works. It's not so much that they're doing, they're not doing me a favor by bringing me in. They're doing themselves a favor. Hey. Where my sound effects are in these streets? <laughs> this is where no, I no, just but it's, like, oh my but, but, but god! But it's true because, and I think this, this, this is where these conversations of diversity and oh, the board doesn't look like me, and you yeah. know um, who's making decisions. It, it, it's all kinds of conflicted because you know what? We're not. We need to not be begging anything. We're not begging nothing. Mm. 
know what I'm saying? I never, I never, I didn't reach out to anyone and say, can I join the board at contact? They have, they reached out to me, mm. you know? And, and I think that's the mindset that we need to get back to that excellence, consistent excellence is, is it cuts through everything. It cuts through everything. It cuts through all this nepotism. It cuts through cronyism. It cuts through um, injustice. It cuts through every barrier you can think of. Excellence does that. I, similar to Kat, similar thing in terms of these meetings, these, these big boards. I have no idea personally if you've been in any of them rooms. Um, and just to take from Reese's point, if you don't mind, just I, want, I would like to hear a bit more of that from your end, Kat. But also I want to kind of throw in language now as a form. I've been kind of steadily exploring language with all of our guests um, and, and seeing what language means when it pertains to publishing, i.e. page, stage, i.e. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Language in in nationally so language whether London or outside of London what language is and how that relationship works on a stage or what have you going forward and I guess there's something about language in the story and and telling our own stories Kat and I wonder I'm just wondering a bit more about that in terms of how what what role has language played has there been any code switching that's that you felt boy all right cool let me read up this room real quick and I'll read the room. I know what vibe it is. Let me move with this. Because I get an understanding from Reese is like, it's not like I'm coming to you. You're coming to me. So in that sense, I don't really need to change my, my, in my language don't need to change too, too tough. But what is that general feeling for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we all know about the code switching. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have to do it to survive at the end yeah. of the day. Um <laughs> But at the same time, I think the lockdown has really afforded me time to sit down and really think about these kind of things. Yeah. And really giving me a space to just breathe and not have to fit into anyone else's boxes. So I've really had an opportunity to do what I want to do. Yeah. Use the language I want to use. Yeah. Build the work that I want to build. And there's a massive freedom that comes with that. So I'm not, do you know what I mean? So you're not begging for work. People are coming to you and then you're getting to dictate what you want to do. Yeah. Or, you know, I've been creating a series of workshops for the last six, seven months. One called How to Write the Shit Away, a woman's workshop where it's all about de-stressing on a Thursday night. Mm. Um, mm. The kids' workshops and those are, you know, and praise the Lord, they've they've gone well. Uh, so I've had opportunity to create the kind of work that I want to create and use the kind of language I want to use. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a storyteller and mm. my storytelling has come out in poetry, it's come out in the plays. And in that sense, you know, it's funny, you can look at, you can look at some people who really, I call them word wizards or they're creating beautiful work on the page. And my thing has always been able to just connect with the ordinary person. Mm. It's okay to have beautiful work. But even beautiful work has to connect. I don't just want poets or playwrights to read my work. I remember being a young girl and picking up um, Alice Walker, The Colour Purple. And the beautiful simplicity and emotion in that book is what has touched me and what inspired me. You know, as much as I love Toni Morrison, I ain't going to lie. i got to read her things at least a few times, break that down, get out the ruler, mark underneath, look in the, um, you know, let's not front. Her stuff is not easy. Anyone who tells me it's easy to read, you're lying. you got to read them things. If, 
you got come on now. You got to read them things a few times. You got to get the student notes to go with that. You got to get the thesaurus and the dictionary out. You got to go back again. You got to read some reviews. Say, oh, okay, I get it now. Now there ain't nothing wrong with that, but. I'm not that kind of writer. I want people to just pick up my work and be able to just step into my world, step into the language and be smothered in it and embraced in it. Get to the story. All right, folks, we've reached the end of part one of this conversation. Join us for part two in the next episode of Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I've been your host, Yomi Shodek. And I hope you've enjoyed today's deep dive into the lives of black British poets and creatives. Big ups to audio producer Drew Hawley at The Lab Studios. If you want to find out more about Apples and Snakes, head over to www.applesandsnakes.org and follow Apples and Snakes on all social media channels. And remember, if you like what you're hearing, please, please, please subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcast and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.